Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Intermediate Microeconomics Podcast Series. I'm your host, Kieran Keenan, and today I'm joined by two of my classmates and close friends, Miles Fisher and the Elionexus Lopez. What's up, guys? Thanks, Kieran. It's good to be back on the podcast. I'm Miles Fisher. I'm a senior at Stack studying finance with a double minor in economics and computer science. Thanks, Miles. It's good to be back with you guys. I'm Elian Nexus Lopez, and I'm also a senior at Stack, studying finance with dual minor in marketing and economics. Uh, just like Miles and Elio, I'm a senior at Stack. Uh, I'm Kieran Keenan. I'm majoring in management with double minors in finance and econ. And today we came together as part of a new podcast series to Stack Econ Bits. So for our class, Intermediate Microeconomics, today we're going to be discussing and diving deep into the effects of government interventions like taxes, licensing, price controls, and how they can disrupt the market equilibrium, creating a divergence between quantity supply and quantity demands in the real world markets. So guys, let's get right into it. Miles, can you lay out some of the basic information for our audience, such as market equilibrium? Yeah, sure. In the world of economics, a market equilibrium is the state which supply and demand balance each other, and as a result, price becomes stable. It's important to understand that markets are never in perfect equilibrium, but they can reach levels close to it and showcase stability between forces of supply and demand. Elio, can you describe what happens when the external forces such as government interventions disrupt the equilibrium? Yes, Miles. Let's start with taxes. When government imposes taxes on certain goods and services, it impacts both consumers and producers. For example, a tax imposed on cigarettes increases the cost for producers, which will result in a decreased supply of that product. At the same time, consumers will likely buy less due to the higher price and quantity demanded will decrease. This shift will move the equilibrium point to a higher price and lower quantity demanded. That's right, Elio. We can also see how supply and demand can be redirected toward a natural, more sustainable market equilibrium when taxes are removed. Back in September, Texas eliminated a tampon tax on menstrual products as well as a sales tax on baby items, making them one of the few states in the nation to do so. They deem the products as essential products, unlike the other states which don't, making these products subject to sales taxes. Formerly, advocates for the tax removal said that the lack of access to menstrual products hurts women economically because it costs them more money for products and may keep them from attending things like school and, and jobs. A tax removal can make the products more affordable to the market, increasing quantity demanded for consumers. However, a tax cut is more important to suppliers because it can lower production costs for firms and allow them to increase their supply. Both supply and demand curves are impacted from tax removals and tax implementation. Next, another government intervention affecting market equilibrium are licensing laws. These, are, these laws limit the number of firms that could sell goods within a market. For example, governments use zoning laws in order to limit the number of businesses in certain markets like bars, bookstores, or hotel chains. In the United States, the government limits liquor licenses in certain areas to regulate the sale and consumption of alcohol and maintain compliance with the laws related to public and health safety. We could see the impacts this may have on supply and demand forces through the things like supply restrictions, price increases, and more. Karen, can you elaborate further on this type of license and its effects? Yes, Miles. We can see how supply restrictions would come into play with a liquor license because it places limits on who can sell liquor and where. 
This restriction on the number of sellers can limit the overall supply of liquor available. If licenses are limited, it can create a scarcity of outlets, potentially reducing the supply of liquor. Also, fewer licenses can lead to higher prices due to reduced competition among sellers. With fewer sellers, each of them have more control over the price, potentially leading to higher prices for the consumer to buy. Elio, are there any other ways that licenses can shift the equilibrium point in a market? Yes, there is. The requirement of a license can be a significant barrier to entry for new businesses. In addition, obtaining licenses can be costly and time-consuming for new businesses, which may push them away from entering a particular market and ultimately limit competition. Other than the markets from products and services, licenses can limit entry to markets for occupations. Miles, can you discuss this further? Absolutely. In the United States, it's illegal to work without a license for various jobs, specifically doctors, trainers, nutritionists, electricians, psychologists, nurses, real estate brokers, therapists, teachers, and so on. In addition, some jobs require prospective employees to pass tests to gain their licenses for their work. Increasing the difficulty of the exams allows existing firms to restrict the new entrants. For, for instance, despite all the candidates holding law degrees, only 27% successfully passed the California State Bar Commission bar examination in February of 2020. Therefore, we could see here how licenses would shift the occupational supply curve to the left, which is decreasing, reducing the equilibrium for the number of workers and rising wages. Karen, what are other government interventions that can change the market equilibrium, quantity, demand, and supply? So another thing that can change the equilibrium, demand, and supply is quotas. Quotas can limit the amount of goods a firm can sell rather than limit the amount of firms that can sell that good. Typically, governments impose quotas to limit imports which impact a firm's supply curve. Uh, for example, the Trump administration imposed quotas as well as TRQs, which are tariff rate quotas, a lower tariff rate applied to a specific quantity of imported goods. However, for a TRQ, once that predetermined quantity is reached, a higher tariff rate is imposed on any additional imports beyond the quota. Specifically, President Trump imposed tariffs on derivative products of steel and aluminum, like nails, wires, some auto parts, of 25% and 10% respectively in early 2020. Many American consumers and firms uh, both bore the cost of these tariffs, which has lasting economic effects. Factories who used imported steel in their production process faced higher costs, which led to job losses in certain industries. Therefore, the supply curve shifts left when quotas are imposed and brings the equilibrium point to a higher price level. Moving forward, price ceilings and price floors are other government interventions that sway a market's equilibrium. Let's start with the price, the price floors. A common example of price floor in the real world is minimum wage. Similar to how a price floor sets a minimum price for a product or service, the minimum wage establishes the lowest legal wage rate that employers can pay their employees for their labor. This minimum price ensures employees receive a certain level of income, protecting their livelihoods. On the surface, this seems beneficial to society. However, it, it has deeper economic consequences. Miles, can you elaborate? Yeah, no problem. Price floors can either be binding or non-binding, meaning that if the price floor is above the equilibrium price for the market, then a surplus exists. In terms of the example above, if the minimum wage is set above the market equilibrium, the result will yield a higher greater supply of labor than the amount demanded from firms. The binding price floor highlights greater economic impacts in terms of minimum wage because the surplus of labor results in higher levels of unemployment. Karen, can you touch on price ceilings? Yeah, Miles. So these are basically maximum prices set by the government, often to make essential goods affordable. So a historical example of this was during the Nixon administration when they set price ceilings on gasoline 
1973 and 79. During this time, OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, reduced oil supplies to Western countries. As a result, the U.S. supply curve for gas would ideally have shifted left, causing the equilibrium price of gas to rise substantially. However, the U.S. government set the price limits on gas to mitigate firms from charging outrageous prices for a necessity like gasoline. Elio, how might a lower price ceiling have unintended consequences? Yeah, so um, price controls can often cause shortages. With this, with the price ceiling, a new equilibrium is created where the firms have to charge less than what consumers are willing to pay for. Therefore, the quantity demanded will outweigh the amount firms can supply, creating a shortage in the market. Effective price floors and price ceilings create something called a deadweight loss, a cost to society created by market inefficiency, which occurs when supply and demand are out of equilibrium. Awesome, guys. So I think we hit a home run today with government interventions and their impacts on market equilibrium. Uh, is there anything else, Miles, Elio, you guys want to throw in there before we sign off? No. No. A no in unison from us. Thank you guys for listening. This was the Microeconomics podcast series, episode one. Please tune in for more. Thank you all for listening and have a great day. <laughs>